right, good morning. Well, it's Missions Week. That's, uh, that's the, yeah, that was your cue. It's Missions Week. We are excited because the reason that we exist, the reason that Jesus left us here on this earth as his disciples is to go and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, baptizing and teaching, and he is with us as we go. And so we're going to celebrate that truth this week. We're going to encourage some missionary families, and we're going to hear about what God is doing through their ministries and how we can be a part of it. Um, but this morning, I, I'm, we're, we're, we're kind of veering off from our First John series for a couple weeks here during Missions Week. Uh, and in just a few minutes, you're going to hear from Mike Knapper. Uh, Mike Knapper is one of the missionaries that we support as Orlando Baptist Church. He and his wife, Christy, uh, have four grown children. And in 2009, they were in the Missions Week here at Orlando Baptist Church, and God called them uh, to the mission field, and, and they've had some ups and downs through that journey and God has been blessing in an incredible way their ministry in Northwest Africa uh, for the past several years. And so I'm excited for him to share about you what God is doing through their ministry and what God has been doing in their life, and, and, and then we want to pray for him. They're leaving on Wednesday, right, to head back to the field. So as we're starting Missions Week here, they'll be heading back to the field, um, and, uh, and so I can't wait for him to share all that God is doing. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to show a video, some highlights of, of the ministry that they're doing, and then we'll hear from Mike Knapper. So when he comes up, welcome him, okay, church? God, we love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, men and women, missionaries that we get to support and come alongside and, and partner with in your global work around the world, to see men and women, boys and girls, come to the saving faith of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you, you call us all to be a part of that mission. So Lord, grow our hunger and our desire to see people come to know you, Lord. Give us your heart. Lord, as Mike comes and speaks this morning, would you give him power and freedom and clarity as he shares what you're doing and challenges us how we can be a part of your great global mission. Lord, thank you that, that as a church we get to be a part of this this week. So encourage us, challenge us, and Lord, make us more like you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Check out this video. Taught my heart to 
to be here with you this morning. I'm excited for Missions Week. Uh, for me, Missions Week means that we have an opportunity collectively together to change the course of human history. And that's what this missions conference and this mission week will be about, bankrupting hell. And together, I believe, if we move with anticipation and we expect God to do this, we can be a part of something that's going to be great. Pastor, thank you so much for allowing me to be here this morning, um, uh, be a part of your conference, be a part of your church, be a part of what God is doing around the world to wrap the gospel around it. I do believe that there is a heaven. I do believe that there is a hell. And I believe that we get to do something about that. Our staff in Africa are working digitally day and night to be a part of what God is doing to bankrupt hell. Uh, God is moving and we're moving with him. And our prayer is, is, has always been, God, wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, let us do it with you. Uh, whether it's feeding hungry kids or planting churches or educating the uneducated, providing clean water, launching new sports ministries, we just want to do what you're doing. 
and uh, we want to work where you're working. And because of that, as you've seen in the video, our ministries are impacting tens of thousands of, of people a year. Uh, we are in Northwest Africa, and because of the way uh, our ministries is high-intense type ministry, we've been able to send missionaries out of our country into other countries. And so now we're walking through multiple countries in Africa, sending pastors and sending missionaries uh, around the different places of, of Africa. As Pastor mentioned, my name is Mike Knapper. And out in the foyer, we have a, a booth out there that has prayer cards. We ask you to please pick up a prayer card, and we want you to pray for the national staff, the pastors and missionaries that we work with. They go into places that, uh, that is very difficult for people to get in, very hostile with jihadist attacks. And so we ask that you pray for them, that they can go deeper and that they can stay longer doing what God's called them to do. I also uh, had the opportunity a couple years ago when I was working on my PhD to write a book. And so uh, I have a couple left before we leave Wednesday. And the proceeds go to drilling a clean water well. And so in one of the villages that we had just purchased land for in January, we're going to drill a clean water well there. We're going to build a sports complex there. We're going to build a feeding center and build a church there. But we start with the water well, and that allows people to come. That allows discipleship to take place. That allows people to get saved and have clean water. So if you'd like to participate in that, we have a donation jar on the table, and you are more than welcome to uh, participate in that. We had to return to America this year a little early, earlier than expected uh, this summer, and that's the reason that we're going back Wednesday instead of uh, later in the year. Right now, we are currently building 15 new churches in Africa. Hopefully by next month, the beginning of January, the paint will dry on all 15 of the churches. We're also building a base camp in one of the countries that we're located in, in Togo. This base camp will house teams, missionaries, interns. It'll have a Bible college, dormitory for kids, marriage retreats, family retreats. We're going to do a lot of basketball, volleyball, uh, tennis, and has three soccer fields on this particular location. And as you know, right now with inflation and the high rising cost of everything everywhere you go, uh, when God asked us and burdened our hearts to build this base camp, we began to look at numbers earlier this year, and we were, we were probably going to need about $800,000 to build that. On top of all the other churches and all the water wells and the schools and the feeding centers that we have, I began to wonder, where in the world do you get that at? And uh, because of Christ and who He is, and we believe that all things are possible through Christ, now, I met with our national staff, and, and, and we cast this vision to buy five acres and to build this complex that we would be able to literally use it as a launching pad to send missionaries and pastors around Africa. So I uh, sent a, uh, a prayer request out just to a few churches and said, hey, this is what we're doing. I want you to pray as we are developing our vision casting that, uh, that we would have opportunities to be able to raise the funding and do what God wants us to do. Within one week, we received $800,000 from two different churches to build this base camp. And so this base camp will be finished uh, probably next month, at least by the 1st of January. We just shipped a, a huge container 
uh, from Mississippi over to Africa. It'll arrive in December, and I'm so excited. My, the whole time I've been in ministry, we've always worked with kids because the majority of these African countries have the majority of the people, the population are kids, and something I've always wanted was a huge fun jump, like this big inflatable obstacle course that we could take over there and set up at the base camp, but never had the opportunity to get one. And last month, somebody from Springfield, Missouri, sent me a message and said they have a 70-foot, 600-pound inflatable obstacle course that they can't use because it's so big, and they asked if I would like to have it, that they would ship it to Mississippi and help us load it on the container. So I'm excited to get that thing to Africa and watch God use that for kids who have stepped out of a village that never in their wildest imagination dreamed that they could uh, participate in something like this. So we have faced this year both the greatest opportunities and also the greatest obstacles. As I mentioned earlier, we're currently building 15 churches. They cost anywhere from twenty dollars to $50,000 to build. A base camp that was 800000 not to mention the sports locations, the land, the water wells, the feeding centers, the school buildings, uh, the walls that we had to build. And God has provided 100% of the funding this year to take care of every bit of that. A lot of wins with the international soccer teams, the feeding centers, the Christian schools in two different countries. Uh, we launched Operation Rapid Food Relief for one of the northern countries uh, that is war-torn in a jihadist-ran country. Uh, we've, oper we, we've launched that. We've been able to feed hundreds and hundreds of people that would not be able to eat without that. But just because you were winning with God, that does not keep the obstacles from entering the atmosphere that you live in. In July, we hosted one of the largest and most powerful spirit-led pastors' conference that I'd ever been a part of in uh, Togo, Africa. We had four countries represented that was there. Some had to travel days by bus to be able to get down to where we were at. Some had to travel through very hostile landscapes to be able to get where we were at. We would go from 8 in the morning till 5 each day. It was an exciting time of preaching and praying and singing and vision casting. These men were sharing God-sized miracles of just being able to survive in some of the jihadist-run countries or villages that has been overrun with witchcraft and, and terrorism and demonic activities. Yet God is allowing them to plant and build churches in multiple locations. As we finished up that Sunday night and everyone was headed back to their host country, Monday morning I woke up and I went into the kitchen and I made some coffee. I returned back to the living room and I wanted to sit down for a minute and I wanted to reflect on what I just witnessed because it was an absolute miracle that we done what we done that week. It was a miracle to hear the stories that God's doing around the world. And as I sat down to rejoice and to think about these victories that we had just witnessed, my doorbell on my house in America alerted me that somebody had just pushed the button. Now my daughter and her husband and my grandkids had, had, had was staying at our house for a week visiting family on vacation. They're from Springfield, Missouri. And I, it was 7.30 in the morning in Africa, it was midnight in America. And I thought, who in the world is at my door? So I answered the doorbell ring and it was a fireman. 
And he said, there's a medical emergency either in your house or out back, and we need to have access to your house. So I opened the front door so they could go in. As I did that, I turned on our security cameras, and wherever there's movement is going to be the first camera that will open. And as I did that, my daughter and her husband are on the back patio, and my daughter is doing CPR on my son-in-law. To my shock and my horror, he had been stung by a wasp, went into antiphlectic shock, and immediately into cardiac arrest. I dropped my coffee, I yelled to my wife, get our passports, we have to get to the airport, something's wrong. We didn't even lock our door, we left it open, we actually had a team from America there, we just ran and got in the car and left. We got to the airport, and uh, we were able to get an Ethiopian flight that morning back to America, and that night, that same day, we arrived in America. My son-in-law lived for five days before God would call him home. He was 27 years old, leaving behind my daughter and a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. This was the first time in my life that I could not fix a problem that was at hand. I held my daughter as she watched her husband leave this earth, and I couldn't take the pain away. That day, she lost her husband. She was a stay-at-home mom homeschooling her kids. So that day, the kids lost their father. And after the funeral, we relocated them back from Missouri to Mississippi. So literally, they went on vacation, and they never returned home. During this time of navigation and grief, I had to return back to Africa. So a month after he passed, I went back to Africa because they will mourn until I return to let them know that it's okay. The obstacle was great and greater than us. However, the opportunities that will come out of an obstacle will be countless if we'll take advantage of the opportunities. As I returned, I needed to visit one of our new church plants. The pastor and his wife had just lost their son at the same time we lost ours. And as I was driving to that location, I realized that the pastor had sent me a message the night before and asked me to preach that morning. I did not have the enthusiasm to do that. I didn't even want to get out of the truck when I pulled up to the village. But I did, and I figured I'd preach a sermon, maybe the Sermon on the Mount, that I could hit some main points of the wide road and the narrow road. And as I, uh, that little church normally has about 50 or 60 people, and so I stood up and I walked to the pulpit that morning, and I turned around and looked, and there was over 100 in attendance. And over 20 were young men who have never been to church a day in their life. I reached the pulpit, and I began to tell them about my son-in-law. You see, my son-in-law had only been saved for seven months. In December of last year, he received Christ as his Savior in a church in Springfield, Missouri. That Sunday morning, I preached a message on salvation. I preached a message on having two choices. My son-in-law could have stayed on that wide road, as it mentions in Matthew, And he would have been greeted and cheered on by the world, 
or he could have taken the less desired road, possibly face persecution, trials, be made fun of, be mocked, or even hated. However, what he did, that choice that he made, regardless of what was to take place, the choice that he made that day was a choice that he would live forever. Even though July the 23rd, he would leave this earth, but because of his choice in December, his choice to become a Christ follower, he was able to live when this physical life was over. That morning after the service, and this is the opportunities and the victories that come through obstacles, that morning after the service, many of the 20 came forward and received Christ as their Savior. The obstacle of losing the husband to my daughter and the father to my grandkids is unmeasurable. But the opportunity to see in that village many come to know Christ as their Savior was no accident. It was God. And that is why I believe when our local hands begin to have God global fingerprints, pandemics and protests and rioting, they become opportunities, not obstacles. So our church planting methods are pregnant with expectations to plant new church before the cement dries or the paint dries. So our ministries in Africa are primarily church planting. We do this through community development. Matter of fact, the church that we're going to plant in January is uh, in, in the northern region uh, of, of where we're at in the north region part of Africa. So what that means is, is, is it's 100% Islamic, a lot of jihadists there. So we are now raising money for next year, and we can purchase land for 6000 We can build a church for 12000 And this particular pastor that we're going to build a church for, his entire village was was burned down last year by terrorists, and they had killed four of his church members, and the entire village had to leave. So when he came into the, the city of where we were at, I told him, I said, hey, you can stay here in the city. It's a lot safer than, than, where you're, uh, than where you were at. He said, missionary God did not protect me. He did not, he did not allow me to live so I can go and hide. He allowed me to live so I can go deeper and I can stay longer, and we're going to do that, and we're going to plan a new work. And so come January, we're going to buy him some land in the north, we're going to build him a church in the north, and uh, allow God to continue to circumvent the gospel around the globe. And so with that, we also have orphanage, we have uh, soccer teams, we have feeding centers where we're feeding, uh, we're feeding kids in multiple countries, over a thousand kids a day. And there is a lot of life change stories I can tell you that happen with the feeding centers. But probably the coolest is our school. We have two certified schools in, in two different countries, and, and one of them is in the, the, uh, the very hostile country. And one of the kids that's in the school comes from a Muslim background. And he come to us uh, a couple months ago, and he said, look, I have been coming to the—he's only 11 years old. He said, I've been coming to this school since it opened, and God has changed my life. I gave my life to Christ. I'm changing my name from Muhammad to Emmanuel, and I want to be a, a, a part of the faith family. These are life-change stories that these schools and these feeding centers and the, how they're impacting uh, people's lives. And so, this has been another obstacle for us because since I had to come home in July, 
uh, and I was not able to visit churches because we had to uh, be there with our, our, our daughter and our granddaughters. I was not able to, to raise the funding yet for the church that we're going to plant in January, uh, nor was I able to find the sponsors for the kids that we need for this year. Every year we add 60 kids to our schools. There's $36 a month to sponsor a kid, but they get a Christian education, food, clothes, medical, and when they're finished, they're able to attend our Bible college for free, and this is the, 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 the I think the, probably the most important thing of these schools, not only are these kids getting saved and discipled, but the trajectory of these schools is that these kids will be able to go out into the field as missionaries and pastors when they finish our school. And uh, so it's a launching pad for us to continue uh, to reach the gospel, uh, but because I was, had to take care of my family, and still taking care of my family, I have not been able to get these kids sponsored. And I know a lot of you guys sponsor kids in our, our feeding centers, and you sponsor kids in our schools, uh, you sponsor our pastors and our missionaries that are on the field, and I want to thank you so much for that. Uh, we're seeing amazing things take place. And, uh, and we're going to continue to see amazing things take place as we uh, continue to, to move through um, Africa with what God's doing in our, our, our lives and our ministries. Now, I want to share with you real quick this morning, just in John, or Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 29, and what we do is, as missionaries, how we strive to tell the world about Christ is the same two roads on the Sermon on the Mount that my son-in-law uh, faced in December. And his name is Reuben, and I want to tell you how he transitioned just real quick from death to life. In Luke 23, 43, uh, it says, today you will be with me in paradise. But in Revelations 20:15, it says that if you're not found written in the book of life, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. So every one of us this morning are faced with two choices. We can be faith followers and follow Christ and become Christians, or we can take that, uh, that wide road that will ultimately lead to destruction. And we can find an amazing story in Matthew chapter 7, a story about these two roads, and, and uh, the story talks about fruit trees, and it talks about sand, and, and these two roads, and, and, and the two roads and how they have a path. But here's the thing, that path is completely up to you of which way that, that you'll take, which road that you will go down. So read with me real quick in Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 29. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And then in verses 15 through 20, it talks about the, the fruit tree. It says, beware of the false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are like wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from the thistle? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. In verse 21 it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, 
On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then it starts talking about building your house on a firm foundation. Everyone that hears those words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. In verse 28 and verse 29, it says, and Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd was astonished by his teaching, for he was teaching them that the one who had authority And what took place on these two roads are telling these people you have an opportunity to pick. And Jesus makes it clear that the road of the world is not the road to Jesus. Most of the world will enter the wide gate, and the wide road is the mainstream of what people will tell you you can do that. My son-in-law in December was sitting in a pew just like you are this morning. And the wide road had given him common consent by the world to stay on that. Now the thing is, the world wants you to know and to think that you are killing it, that you are doing great on the wide road. Just stay on that road and you can work out your salvation, that God does, does not uh, going to destroy you. He's going to allow you to have victories in your life. The only reason that a person would get off that road is if Jesus told them to do that. And that morning in December, Jesus told my son-in-law that you need to get off that wide road and choose the narrow road. He came forward and he received Christ as his savior that morning. And he left the wide road for the narrow road, not knowing that seven months later, he would enter into eternity. And, And as I close, I wanna close with this right here. That wide road, it will lead to destruction in the end. That, that narrow road, it's going to lead to Christ in the end. You must choose the right path. Seven months from July, my son-in-law chose the path. He lived a short journey, but his eternity will live forever because he chose Christ. Today, you can make that same choice that Reuben made. You can enter that narrow gate. You can make the right choice. But here the thing is, that morning in December, he had two choices. But July the 23rd, he only had one. And that was the day that he would leave this earth forever. So as we close this morning, and we look at the obstacles that are gonna be in our lives, we must take advantage of the opportunities that are there because it will lead people to Christ. And that is what our ministry is about, leading people to Christ. As we close this morning, there may be someone in here that doesn't know Christ as their savior. You may be like my son-in-law and you're sitting here and you've been given an opportunity to take the narrow road or stay on the wide road. We have no idea what life will hold tomorrow. In the book of James it says that life is like a vapor. So this morning you can have an opportunity through any obstacle that you're facing to receive Christ as your savior. That that you can be a part of a faith family and that you will have an opportunity one day when Christ comes or you die that you'll be able to go to heaven. Because when you receive Christ as your Savior, that's the day that you begin to live. 
So let's close out in prayer, and we'll turn it over to the pastor, and we'll see what God has in store for us this morning. Father God, I love you. I thank you for allowing me to be able to be here to share the victories through obstacles of what's taking place around the world. I thank you so much, Father God, for allowing us to, to, to be a part of a global mission, a global work that will stretch forth, that will wrap the gospel around the world. I thank you for this church. Father God, I pray, Lord, this morning that if there's someone here that has never received you as their Savior, they have never called upon your name. God, this morning, they will be like my, and they will get off the pew, and they'll come, and they will receive you as their Savior. They'll find a staff. They'll find pastor after church, whenever it may be, and they will, they will want to, 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 to change their life and follow you. God, I pray, Lord, that the $2,000, $210,000 goal that this church is, 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 is reaching, God, that you will supersede that, and they will get the two fifty that was mentioned earlier. Father God, they'll use that. To, to build churches and to change the course of human history. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. We're going to do a couple things. In a minute, we're going to pray for Missions Week. But before we do that, I, I want to call us to a response. And so I'm going to invite you to stand up right where you're at. Thankful for Mike's call to remind us of Jesus' words. There is a narrow right? what there is a narrow way and a wide way and this morning maybe you're here and you've never come to a place of placing your faith in Jesus Christ as savior maybe you believe in god maybe you come to church maybe you're a good person most of the time some of the time but you've never surrendered your life to Christ faith is really surrender Faith is not just a mental ascent. It's not just a check the box, I believe that. Faith is, is turning over your life into God's hands and saying, you know best, God, I give you myself. That's what Reuben did when he said, I'm not taking the wide road anymore. I'm turning to Christ. And this morning, maybe you need to come to a place of faith, surrendering your life to Christ. And so I'm going to pray in just a moment. And if that's you this morning, you say, you know what? I don't know. Reuben passed away in July when he breathed his last breath on earth. He breathed his next breath in the presence of Christ. Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning you don't know. If you breathed your last breath, you don't know what would happen after you die. Scripture says we can know. That's what the book of 1 John has been all about. We've been preaching this message out of 1 John. He says, I have written these things so that you may know, those of you who have believed in Jesus Christ, that you have a life, eternal life. You may know. And this morning, if you don't know, you can. That's the good news of the gospel. So I'm going to pray, and if right now something is stirring in your heart and soul, I believe that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. Today I want to invite you to respond, and the way you can do that today is by stepping out, coming down here to the front. There will be folks who can pray with you. I'm going to be down here in the front. There will be others. I didn't tell them yet, but they're going to come down in just a minute. 
If you want to pray with somebody this morning to place your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that. But then we're not done, okay? So don't pick up your pocketbook yet. After that, we're going we're gonna to spend a few minutes in prayer for our week coming up, our missions week. But Lord, right now, we give you the rest of this service. Lord, this is for you. This is about you. This isn't about us. This isn't about uh, our will, our desire, our motives, our plan. This is about you and your plan. And Lord, we humbly submit and surrender to whatever you want to do. Lord, I ask right now if there's anyone in this place who has never come to a place of faith and surrender to you as Savior, that today they would turn to you, that they would repent, as the Bible calls us to do, to turn from themselves and turn to you. Lord, for anyone here who's been just playing games, Lord, I pray that today they would turn to you. Lord, give us boldness to respond through the power of your Holy Spirit. name. Amen. If God is calling you and drawing you this morning for salvation or just to come and pray, I invite you to respond. If you want to pray with somebody, there will be folks down here. So the instruments are just going to play for just a minute. I invite you to respond.